Blog Talk Radio. Hello everybody, my name is Boss Rutten. Hi, this is Diego Lima. This is Rodrigo Comprido and you listen. And you guys are listening. So you are listening to the Verbal Submission. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Verbal Submission. I am your host, Brian Heminger, joined today by my fellow co-host, Richard Highlight Perry. We have a terrific show in store for you guys. It's going to be a great time. We have, in 30 minutes, we'll be joined by the Invicta FC Women's Bantamweight Champion, Tanya Evinger, Triple Threat. Uh, She'll be here at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, but before then, it'll be uh, myself and Richard. We'll be just bullshitting about UFC, MMA, whatever's going on in the world uh, of our beloved sport. And uh, most notably, last night's UFC Fight Night 85 event, which took place in Brisbane, Australia. Um, we had some very notable moments in that event, in particularly Mark Hunt scoring yet another walk-off knockout over Frank Mir this time, and then Neil Magny pulling uh, just an unbelievable comeback out of his ass against Hector Lombard. So a lot of big stuff that went on last night, and uh, let's bring in my co-host for the evening, uh, Richard Highlight Perry. Rich, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Are you excited for the fact that we don't have MMA for or UFC for three weeks? It's like a, a little vacation. I don't know. What are you going to do for those three weeks? Work? Oh, I, I have I have <laughs> no idea. Um, yeah, probably just get caught up on work. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, hopefully during this three week stretch, we'll be launching the new and improved version of MMAOddsBreaker.com. We're getting close. So I'm very excited to show you guys what it'll look like when we're done. Um, And uh, also, I will probably be finally reading some books that people gave me a long time ago to review, and I will get caught up on those as well. So for all those people, maybe uh, Jon Snowden, you know, I've had that one for quite a while. should probably finish it. And uh, we had an author on a while back talking about his book where he uh, went to American Top Team and had Daniel Strauss and Jeff Monson and followed those fighters around. And I have that book. I need to read it. I want to post a review on it during this little uh, hiatus as well. So those are some of the things I'm going to be doing during our time off. Oh, and I'm going to be going to opening day for the Cleveland Indians on April 4th. <laughs> uh, sounds like fun. I'm going to just be doing nothing, just jack shit. Relaxing. <laughs> it might be April 5th, actually. Anyway, yeah, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Um, and uh, all right, well, let's talk MMA. UFC last night, Mark Hunt, Frank Mir main event. A lot of people that I was talking to were picking Frank Mir. A lot of people. I was one of the few that said, you know what? I think Mark Hunt knocks him the hell out. And guess what Mark Hunt did? Knocked him the hell out. So what... Well, so first of all, did you expect that to happen, Rich? And second, 
Uh, were you what? What were your thoughts on uh, how that all played out? Well, it, it it played out exactly like it should have. But Frank Mir has this rep, has this well deserved reputation as just a spoiler. You know, someone comes in that's supposed to beat him, and they don't because he pulls out some you know crazy gorilla strength um, submission. Um, but after his fight with Olovsky, it just He's not he's not in shape for MMA anymore. Could he get back into shape? No. Um, <laughs> he, he's just he's getting up there in age, and he's got a lot of hard, hard miles on him. Um, you know, he's 36 years old, and, you know, he's had all sorts of injuries, both in and out of training in the cage. Um, I would say hang him up if I was Frank Mir. All right. Yeah, and... I gotta say, Mark Hunt, how many times has he walked off in the UFC alone now? Like just off the top of my head, he did it against uh, Tushirer the first time. Uh, he mm-hmm. walked off on Roy Nelson. I think he walked off on Chet Congo, right? No, he, he pounded Congo out. Oh, he pounded Congo. I did he walk off on uh, Struve? I mean, he was exhausted in that fight. Oh, oh yeah, he walked off on Struve after. Okay, walked off Struve, and then walks off on a fucking two-time former world champion Frank Mir. And, and I gotta say, at first I was like, "Why did the ref jump in?" I mean, the the fight before they let Hector Lombard and Neil Magny nearly die in back-to-back rounds and not stop it, and and one punch and they stop it. But it from the looks of it, even though Frank Mir kind of dropped weird and still had his eyes open. I guess the ref looked in his eyes and was like, yeah, he's fucking done. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like the um, the Struve knockout, where Struve was still home. I mean, he was he probably, you know, stood up and, and was fine right after that knockout. But Hunt literally broke his jaw in half, like, if you look at pictures from the mm-hmm. event, oh, yeah. his teeth weren't level. Um, and it was that kind of hit where Mark Hunt just fucking clobbered Mir. And there, there's not a human being on the planet that can take a, you know, 90 miles per hour fastball to the to the kind of top back of the head like that and not go out. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Frank Mir has a reputation for taking a lot of punishment and being able to continue either. I mean, that guy's been knocked out, I think. That must have been like the seventh time he's been knocked out. Let's actually go back and count how many times Frank Mir has been knocked out. It's a lot. Like, every time. Every time he loses, he loses by knockout, except Overeem and Karlovsky, I guess, and Cormier. Never mind. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. no, uh, he's been flattened quite a bit, and uh, your brain doesn't recover. Your chin never gets better. Mhm. Yeah, I I've seen Frank Mir get his ass kicked twice in person now. Um, I was there when uh, he fought Dos Santos for the title, and then uh, and then I watched Josh Barnett just obliterate him in the clinch uh, at UFC 164 too. That I I don't like watching him fight anymore. It's like just not really. Fun. Well, I like watching him fight when he wins, 
but when he doesn't win, it's not pretty. I, I, I'd i like to see him go to Metamorris and just collect BJJ checks if Metamorris ever starts to, you know, give them out. But um, uh, that that's just be a, be a coach, be an instructor. Save your brain. You got kids. You got a wife. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's made plenty of money in his uh, UFC career so far. <sighs> All right. Well, what do you think is next for uh, Mark Hunt now? I mean, this is back-to-back, you know, dominant first-round knockout wins. I think a lot of people were writing him off after Stipe just obliterated him. But now Stipe's fighting for the title, so maybe it doesn't look like as bad for, for Hunt losing that fight. And now Hunt has two straight uh, wins. He's got some momentum again. Um, so, you know, if you're playing matchmaker, like the UFC heavyweight division is pretty thin. What are you doing with Mark Hunt? Um, I'm thinking if Derek Lewis wins his fight versus Gonzaga, um, you know, throw him in there with Hunt. Or if Ben Rothwell loses to JDS, throw him in there with, with Hunt. Um, we were talking about those walk-off KOs. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Hunt hit Rothwell clean with those not with a, like like a, a walk off KO. I remember he landed a shot. Rothwell ate it, didn't even react to it, and Hunt was just so used to people falling asleep when he put knuckles on them that he started walking off and then he kind of looked back and was like, "Oh, he's still standing." Yeah, I remember. Ben Rothwell turned into a zombie in that fight. Like, he was about as tired as any person I've ever seen in the history of MMA. <laughs> but he would not go down. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and it, it took him over. Uh, he was coming off a pretty long layoff, so he was definitely not in in the kind of uh, evil Rothwell shape that we see him in now. Mm-hmm. How about... Hmm. I would have liked to see like Arlovsky, but he's fighting Overeem. Um, maybe. How about Ruslan Magomedov? Yeah, yeah. The, the thing with Ruslan though is Ruslan is just such a nice dude. Um, like he, he, he is just saying that um, he, he doesn't like to hunt, but he likes. He really loves to track. Like, he doesn't finish mm-hmm. fights, um, he, but he fucking loves, you know, training and striking, but he just doesn't have that kind of the blood-in-the-water kind of yeah. reaction that you need to have. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, but I, th- I think that would be a good matchup. I mean, those guys are both going to just stand and bang, and, and Ruslan will want to be keeping it on the outside, and Hunt will want to get inside and knock his block off, so I think that one would be great. All yeah, right, now, uh, okay, so let's move on. Uh, co-main event, I mean, Hector Lombard crushed Neil Magny in the first round. I think his biggest mistake was going to the ground against him where Magny was blocking a lot of stuff and Lombard was, you know, not throwing as efficient or effective strikes, and then he just gassed himself out. Um, I mean, he still was able to drop <laughs> Magny in the second round anyway, but... Uh, like Lombard was done after that pretty much. So, well, what was your take on that? I mean, was this just another case of Neil Magny, the the condi- the cardio machine, paying off again? 
Uh, absolutely. That that wraps it up in one. Um, Magny is very dangerous, you know, past the halfway point of the fight. Um, you know, he's always dangerous, you UFC fighter. Um, but um, Lombard is very much a front runner. He needs that, that confidence. Um, he needs that almost like the way, uh, I know he's not on the Black Zillions, but you know how most of the Black Zillions fighters have all the confidence in the world when mm-hmm. they're winning, but when they're losing, they just wilt and they lose their cardio. He kind of has that same same issue where if he's not way ahead of you, he's not going to, if he's staring at uh, your back, it's probably over for him in the way. I can see that, and uh, something else is, I mean, this is not the first time Neil Magny has gotten blasted early in a fight and then came back and, and won dominantly. I mean, uh, you saw it happen in the Hyungju Lim fight where Lim had him hurt in the first round. Uh, you saw it in the, um, uh, I think, Macario fight. Macario was going after him early. Um, I think Rodrigo de Lima had him in trouble, like definitely won the first round, and then Magny finishes him in the second. I mean, just over and over again, this guy, like, loses, starts a little slow, and then wins late. The opposite actually happened in his last fight, and it scared the shit out of me. I'll give you a a little inside uh, funny story. You know, I like doing live betting sometimes where you bet in between rounds, like especially if I'm really familiar with a fighter's conditioning and say Mm -hmm. a guy wins the first round but has god-awful conditioning and and I think he's about to lose. I'll live bet the other dude in between rounds as a big underdog. Like I did that when the Sage Northcutt fight. It looked like Northcutt was starting to gas, and I bet Barbarina and he won. Well, Neil Magny, you know, known for slow starts, and Kelvin Gastelum, known for quick starts and and fading, five-round fight, Magny goes out, and smoke is smoking him in the first round. Remember, taking him down, jabbing him, just all over him. And I go in between rounds uh, and check the live betting, and Magny's only like a minus 160, 170 favorite. So I'm just unloading my whole freaking <laughs> bankroll onto Magny just over and over again. And, and now Magny's up three rounds to nothing, heading to the fourth and fifth, and I'm just... You know, I'm ready to just turn it off and take my money. And then Gastelum freaking almost finishes him in the fourth and fifth round. Freaking terrified me. I'm just like, hang on, Magny, survive, you you asshole. Like, so <laughs> that, that fight was the complete opposite of a Neil Magny fight, the, the Magny-Gastelum. But, you know, he still ended up winning. But, oh, my God, I was terrified. I was I was just, I didn't have any fingernails left after that fight. But we got to give Neil Magny some major props. I mean, literally in the last, let's see, since February 1st, 2014 now. So that is two years and one month pretty much. Uh, He has fought 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 times, and he's 10 and 1. What a yeah. fucking monster. He's basically fighting every two months. 
and none of those those fights were gimme fights. Like they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, pull up any explode fight series fighters to for him to just crush in California. Yeah. He's been fighting and fucking the, like murderers. especially his last like five fights have been real tough. I mean, Lim, Maya, Eric Silva, Gastelum, Lombard, and he's faced all five of those guys in less than the last year. And the crazy thing about Maya, it's not just Maya, it's Maya in Brazil, in Rio mm-hmm. de Janeiro. And, that, and Lombard that in is... Australia, Gastelum in Mexico, you know? He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Lim <laughs> in the Philippines, even though he's from South Korea, but I mean, he's close. So, Crazy uh, let's bastard. Move on. Yeah. Let's move on to the Jake Kelly, uh, Jake Matthews, and uh, Johnny Cage fight. Um, yeah, I was I was so impressed with Jake Matthews in that fight. Even the whole fight, even though like the first two rounds were close, um, you know, Case could have potentially been up two nothing. I gave Matthews the first round and I gave Case the second because I thought Matthews was landing a little bit better in the first with some bigger shots. Um, but I mean, it was you know competitive first two rounds and Case was looking good, but then Matthews started landing those body kicks and. They were, you could see that Case did not like those at all. Like, especially the left body kick that was hitting him right in the, the liver area. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that definitely wore Case down and slowed him down, and then that allowed Matthews to, to get that third-round finish. I don't know if he would have lost the fight if he didn't, but I still think that was by far the best Jake Matthews has ever looked because Johnny Case is no joke. I mean, that dude... I believe was four and zero in the UFC heading into that fight. Yeah, he was, and he was on a nice little tear, twelve fight win streak, and and he was shutting down Matthews wrestling too. So Matthews needed to hang with him in the feet, and he did. Like that was the biggest surprise to me. I thought if he was, I thought Matthews had a chance to win, but I thought he'd have to take him down over and over again, and he didn't really take him down until. Uh, Case started trying to take the fight down because he couldn't hang, couldn't stand the those kicks anymore. Yeah, and I I got pretty much nothing else to add to that except that uh, Matthews uh, is coming up as a prospect in a super deep division, and the UFC is bringing him along the right way. Yeah, and I want to see get your thoughts on this, and this is just for UFC rankings only. It doesn't include you know Justin Gaethje and and people in other promotions. Um, but with uh, Cerrone having uh, his next fight announced also at welterweight, I decided to remove him from my lightweight rankings. So that left an opening at number 15. Guess who makes his debut? Oh, Matthews? Jake Matthews. I thought the, I thought the winner of that fight deserved to be in the top 15. Um, okay. I, I can I can see it. And and you know people are gonna if anybody's gonna criticize that and say oh James Vick you should have James Vick why don't you have James Vick and that you know the reason I don't have James Vick is he hasn't fought since he beat Jake Matthews and Matthews has fought twice and just beat somebody I think that is better than James Vick so that's why okay. I'm not moving Vick into 15. But, yeah I think I think he deserves it and I I and he's still only 21 years old I think he still has a bright future. Uh, I'm a little worried uh, after – I was a little worried after Ariola, you know, almost finished him in their last fight, but <laughs> Matthew's chin looked great against Case, and Case has some pop. So that was good. That was a good, good, uh, 
great performance by him. And then we had Daniel Kelly taking on Antonio Carlos Jr. What the fuck, man? What? I think Carlos Jr. was about a minus 450 betting favorite. That is huge. That is monstrous. Yeah, I know. Like, when that happens, you expect them to win in the first round. Like, Alan Joe Band, he was a minus 500 favorite. Huge mismatch. He ends up crushing him, of course. Yeah. And then Antonio Carlos Jr., minus 450 favorite, crushes Kelly in the first round. Easy 10-8. Just pasted to his back the whole round. Just can't quite sink in a rear naked choke. And then after that, he just, like, stopped fighting. Like, he, uh, he, he stood and traded a little bit in the second round, but that was a competitive second round. It could have gone to Kelly. And then... Uh, what really scared me was uh, in the second round, Carlos Jr. like shot in for a takedown, missed it, and then just like stopped fighting for a while. Like just started letting Kelly just start pitter pattering him. And then in the third round, like he completely gave up, uh, and Kelly just started going to town on him with the ground and pound, and then the fight got stopped. I mean, I gotta say, uh, Daniel Kelly, man, I, I know a lot of fighters that probably would have just been like, oh shit, like what's even the point? heading to the second round after what happened to him in the first round, and he was not discouraged one bit. So I got to give him major credit. Like, Antonio Carlos Jr. was a guy that I had pegged as, you know, a potential contender someday, and, and that didn't that is not going to happen. Like, not when you give up like that the first time you face any adversity. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he probably busted a whole bunch of parlays Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people that were betting uh, Carlos Jr., Alan Joe Band parlays. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do want to talk about that Steve Bossu flattening of James Tahuna. Um, Who would have thought that a uh, a hockey enforcer um, on his back foot, leaning backwards, would throw a short right arm punch and just just destroyed somebody who, if I remember correctly, his last, his, uh, oh, not quite his last fight, his fight before last was against Shogun Hua in, in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was the favorite. Somebody, he was the favorite yeah. against Shogun. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot to talk about in that fight, but God damn. I, I knew Tahuna was going to lose, literally, the second he didn't shoot in for it, he didn't shoot in for a takedown early. Yeah, um, but props to Bossy for instead of going to the ground and pounding him out, he just kind of yelled at him and put him the rest of the way to sleep, which was nice, very nice of him. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Beck, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was I was just gonna say, I think. Uh, you know, four straight losses for Tahuna, I believe, all in the first round, and he's been badly hurt from strikes in at least three of them. Um, I think he should probably uh, stop fighting. I mean, he just isn't able to take the the type of punches that people are delivering, whether it's middleweight or light heavyweight. So I, I I'm almost certain the UFC is going to cut him after this, but I don't I don't want to see him fight anymore. I don't think. No, I agree. Um, Beck Rollins versus 
um, Hamdoulay. Um, mm-hmm. The decision went to the right person. It was a pretty yes. good fight. Um, yeah, Rollins Ham- won the first two rounds, and then Hamdoulay, you know, turned it up in the third. I thought she won the third. Uh, so, but Rawlings looked really strong in the, the first two rounds. Like she definitely has improved in her time off. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't know if she's going to be a contender or anything in someday, but uh, I do think that uh, Rawlings has improved enough that uh, I, I moved her to number fifteen in the strawweight rankings. I agree with that one hundred percent. Now, there's only one thing I want to talk about really from uh, from the prelims. Um, the uh, Fox Sports 1 prelims, mm-hmm. Daniel Hooker versus Mark Adiva uh, guillotine, the finish in that yes. fight. Um, Adiva uh, actually put himself uh, into the guillotine, both by putting his head in the wrong place, but in a guillotine, as the person getting choked, you want to be on the same side of your body of the body um, as the, the choke. That way you can either... You know, kind of grab the hips, um, control their hips, and possibly just kind of pull your head up, break the choke, um, and you got either an arm triangle or a back take right there. Or um, you could just hand fight. Um, and when you're in that position, the hands are, are probably already, you know, unclasped and then just break away and get back to open space. Um, Adiva didn't do that. He, um, he was originally on the, the correct side to defend. Then he, he kind of went into, um, if, the, if they were lying down, it would have been mounted half, but just kind of having control over one of uh, Hooker's legs. And then he goes to the ground, um, goes into, into the guard, and then gets himself mounted and choked. Um, so literally every step for the defense, Adiva did completely 100% wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, well, you got to remember, uh, Adiva, I believe, is, uh, is he from the Philippines or is he from, like, Guam or something? He's from the Philippines. He trains out of, uh, okay. Team Makei Wushu, which yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine, can't imagine they have too many high-level black belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the other guy there yeah. is uh, Eduard Folo Yang, and uh, he strikes for USCC and uh, won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Sorry, Excited? I had a bit of a yawn there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're just about ready to get uh, Tanya Evinger on the show, so this should be a lot of fun. And, um, and on that I, on that note, when Nakai is going to get cut, likely, oh yeah, so we'll, pro- we'll probably be seeing her inside in uh, the Invicta cage, and mm-hmm. or in a creepy pancreas video sometime in the future. <laughs> Like, uh, I have a question. I don't know if you remember this, but was Tanya Evinger on commentary during uh, Colleen Schneider's last fight? Uh, I believe so. She was, um, I want to say a little buzzed. I can't say that for sure. We'll probably ask her that, but uh, 
I think they brought her in for a few comments. Not not like a full fight call, but just like mm-hmm. a hey, um, uh, kind of like they they do in um, the World Series of Fighting, where they have the guys interviewed on uh, the corners and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, so it was for Invicta FC 15, and I believe that was the fight that uh, Schneider earned her title shot. So. Mm-hmm. So yep, 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 yep. Okay, so, all right, I'm going to go get uh, Evanger on the line. So, and uh, is there anything else you want to talk about while I'm doing that? Hopefully it won't take too long. Yeah, but I'll just fill some uh, some air time. Um, okay. All right, I'll be uh, right back. So, uh, one fight, um, you know, we didn't cover really in depth was the uh, Beck Rawlings. Um, Ham delay fight, we talked about it kind of briefly, because um, I really wanted to talk about the guillotine. Uh, Rollins looked really, really, like, physically dominant. Um, Ham probably going to drop to 205. I'm sorry, 205, 105. Um, she's, you know, a physically smaller uh, 115 fighter, um, and it, it doesn't help that small uh, inside, um, inside a U.S. promotion where weight cutting is really, really key. Um, she's fought at 106 pounds before, and um, she's kind of moved up and down from straw weight a couple of times. Um, and she's actually been the deep jeweled featherweight champion. So we'll probably be seeing her there. All right. So... Without further ado, we are joined by our first and only guest, actually, for tonight's show. Uh, she is the women's bantamweight champion for Invicta FC. She'll be defending her title uh, upcoming Invicta FC 17 in May against Colleen Schneider. She is the one and only Tanya Triple Threat Avenger. Welcome back to the Verbal Submission, Tanya. It has been a very long time since we had you on the show. I don't know if you even remember it. Oh, they all—they're all confusing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, um, now it is uh, an honor to have you back on. Uh, I was actually at your fight in Vegas uh, last July uh, at, on the with the media when you uh, defeated Irene Aldana to to capture the title, and uh, it's just a, a treat to get to talk to you again. Now, uh, first things first. Um, I heard you talk about something really interesting, and I just wanted to, to get you to elaborate on it a little bit. Um, you mentioned that some of like the the OGs, the the girls that were around when you were just you know getting started in MMA, uh, the ones that are still fighting, that they've kind of lost their edge. And I was wondering, you know, how have you kind of kept your edge throughout this time? Because you know, a lot of people. Uh, maybe it's just damage they've taken. They do. They can't uh, keep going the same way. But uh, you know, you're better and stronger than you've ever been. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I I just feel like uh, I feel like this is just who I am, and I'm just sticking mm-hmm. it out, man. I'm a fighter, and I'm gonna keep on fighting and keep on fighting, and you know, when I lose, it, it doesn't really matter. I'm just gonna you know keep on doing what I do. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just see. You know, and it might be that wrestler background I have, or we just grind and grind and grind, but uh, I don't know. 
I, I can stick this out for quite a few more years, I think. <laughs> oh, definitely. With the way you're competing right now, I think I don't think there's a lot of girls that can hang with you right now, especially ones that aren't already on uh, the UFC roster. And uh, that's what you're doing right now is, you know, they're trying to find who those next people are, and, and you're just taking them out behind the woodshed. And it's been a, a real treat to see, uh, see you step in there and kind of knock some of these top prospects down a peg a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely like teaching them a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you were actually on commentary for Colleen Schneider's last fight where she earned her title shot. And I got to say, I hope you do that more often. You on commentary is pretty much the highlight of any Invicta show. So if you have a I think chance, I think they were almost scared that I was <laughs> I would be out of hand. I think that's what most people are worried about, but I think I'm all right, you know. Oh no, you were you were not I can, out of I can hand. hold you back. Were, you were a treat. You were a treat. Plus it's uh, since it's just on Fight Pass, it, you don't have to worry about uh, network censorship or anything. I, I think you can uh, you can get away with a little bit more too. Yeah, I was I didn't want to push the envelope. You know what I mean? <laughs> Try to get a call back and do it again. And I actually went out for this last Invicta, and they went. I went out there, and they told me I uh, do some commentating, but uh, they didn't end up having me do it. So I don't know what changed or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, I definitely enjoyed it, and I'll, I'd like to do it again. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, you can have a conversation with Shannon when uh, you see her before the the next show. Now, uh, my co-host here had a question. He wants to know, are you still splitting time between uh, Gracie Baja and uh, the four-ounce fight club? Yeah, yeah. I I pretty much train in um, both those gyms. I train in about five different gyms out here. I'm all over the Mm -hmm. place. But uh, Gracie Baja and and then uh, four-ounce is probably my main gyms, and uh, that's where I get my boxing and my MMA out of the way, and then... You know, I'll go to other gyms for my strength conditioning and another gym for my wrestling and another gym for my jiu-jitsu. So I'm all over the place, but uh, I just got to go where I, I think I need to go, and, and I got to train as much diversity as I can. And, and I think that that's where, in my opinion, that's where a lot of people are, are lacking in their, in their game, you know. And, and even out here, I see, I go to all these gyms. It's so funny. And then these guys aren't allowed to go train at the other gyms. You know, their coaches won't let them, and I'm like, Damn, man, it sucks to be you guys, but I'm a 35-year-old lady, man. Nobody's telling me where I can train. I'm going to train everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that that, uh, like, if you could have it your way, do you you like being traveling to all these different gyms? Or if you could get the same level of training in one gym, would you prefer that? Um, Yeah, you know, I've been at big gyms where, where we have got everything at one gym, but it's just not the same as, as going and getting different opponents and in different competition and in a different style of, of training than what you're going to get at your gym. And I think that that's what makes me a better fighter than everybody else. I've, I can adapt to a lot of situations. You know, I, I, I can defend a lot of different like techniques and stuff. I just, I just have been to so many different places to train. And I think that that is what rounds my game out the best. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Can you think of a time where, you know, you were in a, a rough situation that maybe a, a lesser fighter would have maybe, uh, you know, given up a little bit, but you just, you had that veteran experience uh, that you were able to rely on? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, I think earlier in my career I had some losses where I, I kind of freaked out a little bit once I got in certain positions or, or I, I made mistakes just doing, being a little too wild and they, they got me losses, you know, and I got caught 
in a submission. And I think that uh, I've definitely grown from that. I don't know. I um, I've had, I had two fights where I, I kind of was on the bottom right away just off of a stupid mistake on my own part. And, and normally I would kind of freak out there because I don't like to be on the bottom. I like to be on top beating people up. So, you know, it's a, just a different situation. But I'm, I remember both them times talking to myself about, like, just relax. You got three rounds. You know, so I, I didn't freak out right away, and I ended up coming back and, you know, beating the shit out of him like normal. But, you know, it's it's just, a, I think, just lessons learned, and it took all this time, and, and the losses I do have, I think that um, they definitely built me in this fighter I am right now, for sure, and um, put me where I am. You know, I, I obviously, I'd, I'd like to be number one in the world, but, uh, you know, I one step at a time, and, and I, you know, got to create my own path. So here I am. Mm-hmm. And something that I've noticed in particular, uh, compared to some of your older fights, is it seems like you're a little bit more patient. And and maybe in some of the older fights, you'd uh, charge in a little recklessly. You're you're waiting a little bit more for the better time to go in. And I think that that's really been uh, one of the things that has helped you uh, the most. Uh, just adding a little bit of patience to your game. I don't know if it's patience because I still yeah. feel like I'm pressure I'm, I'm winning fights mm-hmm. because i'm putting the pressure on people and I'm, I'm being really aggressive and and really offensive but i i do agree i think that uh i'm in a sense i'm patient but i think it's just on when when i see that that hole open up i, I think i'm just more knowledgeable in, in in seeing the openings and and actually waiting for an opening rather than going in blind throwing from my hips man i just brawled before now i'm mm-hmm. now i'm a, a technical brawler there you go <laughs> i guess to say yeah <laughs> And uh, my co-host here wanted to know, you know, how long are you planning your, uh, you know, training camp to be for uh, your upcoming title defense? Oh, well, I was going to do, I'm going to get me an eight-week camp, and this has been the first time I got an eight-week camp in. Uh, I usually get about three-week camp, Mm -hmm. but uh, I want to get an eight-week camp in on this one, but uh, damn it, I caught the flu at the Invicta show this last time, like a week ago. When they're out in Vegas, I went out there and one of my sponsors had the flu, and he gave it to me. So, first week down the drain, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I saw you post on Twitter that you've been uh, battling the flu. Is it starting to, to let up a little bit, or is it still, you know, full swing? Yeah, I don't know. It's never going to end. I never get sick, too, so that's what's killing me. I'm not used to this. My body hurts like, from just laying around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the good news is, uh, the fight is still not all the way until uh, you know end of the first week of May. So you got time, and even if it won't, might not be an eight-week camp, you can still potentially seven. Even a six-week camp would be twice as good as what you're used to. So yeah, I'm gonna uh, be a beast. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna be uh, a I'm, beast. I'm expecting that. Yeah. Now uh, let's talk Colleen Schneider. I mean, you were cage side. You were doing some commentary for her fight. I, I think, at least from the the betting odds and what some people were uh, talking about pre-fight. They weren't expecting her to be the t- number one contender. They were thinking her opponent would be. But uh, what did you think of her performance in there? You know, I think uh, everybody was on the same page, that nobody thought Colleen was going to win that fight. And, uh, you know, I think Colleen's had a couple bad fights, and um, most of them happened here in the U- United States, you know. And I think that, um, you know, she's been winning overseas and stuff, and she came back and put a good performance on. But, uh, you know, you can't fool me. You can't fool me, girl. I'm gonna beat the shit out of her. Um, I'm just, I'm just gonna do what I normally do, and I think everybody knows that. And uh, and I just think that, um, I just don't think that anybody's at my level right now, and I, I just got to go out there and prove it. And 
you know, her style, it was, although, you know, I think she did a great job. She played a great game plan. But, uh, you know, the same thing would have happened if I would have fought Raquel. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not uh, not too worried about that. I'm not mm-hmm. too worried at all. Yeah. So you're saying she doesn't fool you. Do you mean like that because uh, she was able to stop a few takedowns and she was, you know, keeping uh, Raquel at distance? Not, you don't think she'd be able to do that against you? No, no, I think that, yeah, yeah, I think the whole the whole performance she put on was, it looked really good, you know, I think that, um, I don't know if it, if Raquel's composure changed because she got cut and the blood, you know, which I, mm-hmm. you see a lot of times, and especially in women's MMA, you know, some people are afraid to bleed, but um, I don't know if that changed her composure or, or just, you know, Colleen was just definitely using her reach and, and sticking her, and I think that uh, she mixed it up a little and stopped a couple takedowns, and got up off the takedowns when she wanted to and, and you know I think that it all looks really good but uh, you know I just don't uh, I don't see any of that beating me I think I see mm-hmm. a lot of holes in, in her game and not necessarily having to change my game plan or my style at all to beat that so you know I'm, I'm just going to go out there and do what I always do same performance the same kind of ass beating <laughs> nice now um, when I saw you fight in July um, when I, I remember when I was leaving the press conference, you had an entire posse of friends and family waiting just beyond uh, uh, the, the entrance for you to, to, to come out and, and celebrate and hang with them after the fight. Now, how many people do you usually get to come out and, uh, and watch you fight and hang out? Um, I think, sorry, I got a cold still. Um, oh, it's okay. I would, I would think uh, most of the guys that I've trained with over the years and stuff, you know, that I've stayed in contact with, um, you know, those are the, most of the people that come out. And then obviously my family and some of my fans, man, they're supportive. So I don't mm-hmm. know, a good, a good 20 people travel around and watch me fight probably. Oh, nice, nice. It's not too now, much. It's not yeah. as much as Aldana had in that arena. I don't yeah. Know, oh, I'll that tell place you. was packed with Mexicans. I, I was crazy. I never been booed so bad in the United States. I'm like, I'm from, I'm from where you're from. But no, you know, obviously I wasn't. We were outnumbered there. Now speaking of Aldana, um, I, you had a great quote in one of a, a, an interview you did with the UFC.com where you mentioned you, know, you when you face people, you don't just want to beat them. You want to hurt them to the point where they don't ever want to fight you again. Now, yeah. Aldana just got a win, I think, at the last Invicta show over Jessamine Duke, and she said that if she could, she'd fight you next. Uh, so does that surprise you? Uh, you know, what do you what do you think about that? Um, I watched the interview. Yeah, I watched it or whatever, and yeah. I don't think she said that. I don't really think she said that. I think that you know the, the interviewers threw it at her, and she was yeah, like, they, they asked, asked her if she was ready, and and mm-hmm. and she said, uh, yeah, you know, but. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to come down to, um, you know, I think she's a she's a great fighter, and 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 uh, you know, I think she's young in the sport, and um, I think it's going to come to like the big brother, little brother kind of syndrome. Like, I think I'm I think I'm in her head, and even if she comes and she tries really hard, I think I'm in her head, and uh, I don't think that she'll forget that. She, I don't think she'll forget the fight. You know, I mean, obviously, she's got to learn how to to keep from letting me beat her up and then she's got to learn how to beat me on top of that. So, I mean, she's got a tough, tough fight on her hands, man. And I'm just going to get better. 
I got new sponsors that are, are um, kicking in, and, and we're going to start doing a, a lot more training and, and try to get in there full time and, and do a lot more uh, specialty training and stuff. So, I, you know, I just I think that I think that uh, this is going to be my year of uh, total domination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Now, you, know, you mentioned uh, you got some new sponsors. Has has that side of the game, the financial side, really started ramping up a little bit with uh, – you know, sponsors and representation and everything since you've been on this, uh, you know, tremendous run? Oh, hell no. No. No? I think Women's MMA is, uh, I think that we're lacking so bad in sponsors, and it's it's so crazy to me. You know, the guys could pull them so easy. UFC fighters pull them so easy, and, man, we just we just don't get that love. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I've ran across a couple people that um, just, you know, uh, I think that they just want to help make my my dream and what I've been working on for years come true, I guess. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's just awesome to finally, you know, I think my time's up, man. Come on. i got to find somebody by now that, like, would be a badass sponsor, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put my time in. So, you know, I just, uh, it's new time. And, and uh, you know, I, I found a couple sponsors that are just awesome, man, and they they just really supportive and Hopefully they all work out the way that is planned and, and everything goes well this year. And, you know, I got the 125-pound belt as well. And, you know, maybe I'll fight Cyborg. I don't know. Do you think you you would uh, try to get down to 125? Because, you know, the 135 cut is pretty rough. Hello? Oh, we might have lost Tanya there. Let me. Uh, Are you there? Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. I don't. Just went silent for for a couple seconds. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, now you just mentioned that you want to try to get the 125 belt too, or was that a? Yeah. No, that's definitely what I want to do. Do you think you can Absolutely. make 125? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that oh, wow. uh, obviously I'm not like uh, fit. I mean I'm in good shape, but man, I just uh, um, I'm always fat. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I think if I was in, I was able to train full time, man, I think I could. Uh, I think I can um, in weight a lot. You know, walking walking way low, probably 140 or something, and, and I'll be good. Oh wow! Yeah, that would that would be amazing because I think so, right now uh, they just had. Uh, you know, Roxanne Modifier is going to be probably fighting for the 125 belt next. So, um, no way! I want yeah. that spot. This yeah. is what I want to happen. I want to I want to fight on this card in LA, and mm-hmm. then I want to I want to get down to 135 easy. Just like get my weight down and really like. That's why I want to put in a good camp on this one, and then I want to try to get to fight Maya in July. <laughs> and I probably won't get that, but I'm still going to try to push for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be amazing. I hope it, I hope it happens because I know you're the type of fighter that wants to always be fighting. You hate that there's ever any time. Like, you hate missing a, Invicta events. You want to be on, like, every show. Yeah, well, I feel like I got, like, five or six fights at 125 where I know the girls will, will fight me. Like, they're mm-hmm. punks. They'll fight. And so I think I got five or six fights down there. So i got to give them enough time for 135 to kind of build up and give me some more opponents, you know, so... 
and just mm-hmm. flop around. If I can get my weight down and get a full time camp in and be training full time, man, I I just know it'll I can get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple people have brought this up over time, and uh, somebody even made a, a hype video for it, like last week, I believe. Uh, they wanted to see, you know, uh, an Avenger Cyborg match. You know, is that something that you'd be uh, you know willing to to go for? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I I want to keep it at 140 though. Mm-hmm. I want to catch her catch her a little weaker, and uh, and I think that my style beats hers. So, you know, we'll see. I just I just a- have never been like really rocked or hit hard, so I feel like mm-hmm. although she hits hard, I, I feel like the girls that fight her are scared. And yeah, that's true. What people don't realize is I'm scared every single fucking fight. I'm scared at every fight. So that's no different than my next fight. And that's why I fight the way I do. I'm just out there. I'm there to win. I'm not there to get beat up, man. That's somebody trying to beat me up. We're fighting. So I just don't see me letting her beat me up like that. Mm-hmm. And I think and, and that I'm wrestling will take her down. Yeah, and I got to say, if all this goes to fruition and you know you go out there you defend your title against Schneider you dropped a 125 win the belt there and then maybe end of the year you uh do uh, you face a cyborg at a 140 catch weight that could be the year of Tanya Evinger absolutely I know wouldn't that be awesome it would but be that'd awesome. give me enough time it'd be harder for me to hit 140 and then cut all the way back down 25 so yeah. I might as well hit 25 and then if I can catch a 35 title defense on the way up, then that's fine. But if not, then I can get that fight with her. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. Misha's trying to jump on top of that right now, though. <laughs> yeah, she's even trying to do it, too. I think I think everybody wants that fight because they know that it's a, it's a big money fight. Huh. All right. Well, I think that's about uh, everything that I had for you, uh, Tanya. Uh, Richard, did you have any last questions for Tanya? Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. Okay. And, uh, all right, well, uh, last thing before we let you go, Tanya, did, uh, do you have uh, any shout-outs you wanted to give, uh, trainers, sponsors, anything like that? Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, my coaches, Jeremy Mahan, Aaron Pena, uh, my gyms, Gracie Baja, Four Ounce, Tap for Sleep, um, St. Michael's Mercy, GMAC Racing, uh, Dragon Doe, shoot, Trying to think of my sponsors here. Woo! Pearl Bar Houston. That's my favorite one, the A Bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and uh anyone I miss, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for stopping by the show again. It was a real treat and uh best of luck in your upcoming title defense and hopefully uh that flu clears up and you get that uh you know, extra long training camp you're hoping for. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. You have a terrific rest of your day, Tanya. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was the triple threat Tanya Evinger stopping by the verbal submission, uh, dropping some knowledge. I think there are some great quotes in there about wanting to beat the shit out of Colleen Schneider, about uh, (laughs) Irene Aldana, about the 125 uh, weight class, about... Uh, wanting to fight Cyborg, I mean that that was that was perfect. 
That was I, I think I need to write an article about that interview immediately. Because <laughs> uh, there was uh, a lot of newsworthy stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we scooped a couple of things. Uh, the 125 yeah. quote, the uh, the 140 quote for Cyborg. Um, yeah, there's a couple of scoops in there. You got you got some uh, some clickbait uh, worthy <laughs> stuff. And I hate writing clickbait, but I mean. The the, the the headline is already written. I mean, come on. That's great. Uh, so, all right. Well, uh, I think that covers about everything that we were uh, planning on talking about today. Is there anything you would like our listeners to check out, Richard, whether it's a TV show, an article, a video game, a movie, you name it, uh floor is yours. Okay. Um, the new... Uh uh, episode of Hardcore History dropped today. Um, it's, it, I was listening to it uh, while doing research for the show. Uh, it's really enjoyable. Um, I really like it. It's about four hours long, though, so I'm not all the way through it yet. Um, it's a great, great listen, and it's free, which is great. Awesome. And uh, for me, there is a show. I have Netflix, and I've been, uh, you know, just every once in a while when I've got some free time, I'll just binge watch stuff. But I discovered a show that I think is one of the best uh, comedies out there right now. It's called BoJack Horseman. It's a cartoon. Uh, Will Arnett plays the main character. It is hilarious. And uh, if you're into, like, the type of shows that use a lot more realistic comedy, where they don't just tie up everything into a nice little bow at the end of each episode, this is your show. Uh, it's just amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. I went through the first two seasons in like two or three days. I mean, just flew through it. And then I showed it to my brother and watched like seven episodes in a row. And I showed it to my brother, even though I'd already seen it. So, yeah, just a great show. Highly, re- highly recommend that one. So, all right. We're going to be trying to make this a regular thing again. Uh, hopefully we can get a show in on Easter Sunday next week. Um, it'll be same time, same place. Six- oh, up. Uh, uh, what's that mean, Rich? I, I, uh, unfortunately, I'm likely going to be tied up with that. Uh, okay, I'm, I might have some family obligation stuff too. So, okay, let's let's uh, you know, let's not commit to next week, but two weeks should be fine. So, yep. Okay, so March. Oh no, it'll be April. Third. Uh, yep, April third. Okay, so two weeks from now, April third. We'll try to make it a big blowout show since uh, UFC will be having a show a week later. I'm going to try to get somebody like Derek Lewis and maybe somebody else. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Verbal Submit. Check us out, The Verbal Submission, on Facebook. You can follow Rich on Twitter at High underscore Light. You can follow me at Brian Hemminger. So that'll do it for tonight's show. And uh, what time is it, Rich? It is Code Angle time. Baby.